0: Uh, go with me to the book of James. If you have your Bible or on your mobile device, we're going to the book of James. This is James chapter 5. James chapter 5 is close to the end. If you get to the Peters and the Johns, you've gone too far. James chapter 5. And if you get there, go ahead and say, I beat you. Oh, man. Got it. huh. <laughs> awesome. James chapter 5. Now, I, I don't know about you guys, but um, this week has been kind of fun. It's been hot, yeah, for sure. But have you appreciated the rain lately? Yeah, the, the rain is a blessing. The rain is a blessing. Sometimes it comes at an inopportune times, but by and large, it's something to be thankful for. James chapter 5, it's talking about rain. If, so we're continuing our series on the coming of the comforter. If you're just catching up with the series, you can go to our church website, go to the sermons tab, and um, you'll, you'll be able to see the past messages. But today we're talking about rain, okay? Asking for rain. Here we are, James chapter 5. If you're there, say amen. amen. Okay. Verse 7. Awesome. Here we go. Verse seven, I'm reading from the new King James, and I'll just want to start here as a way of introduction for us. It says this, therefore, be patient, brethren, <laughs> boy, we could stop right there, right? <laughs> That's a message in and of itself. Therefore, be patient, brethren and sisterin, until the coming of who until the coming of the Lord. Boy, is it hard to be patient sometimes? And waiting for the coming of the Lord. But notice how he takes this even further. He introduces us to a little metaphor to understand how to be patient and wait for the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives what else? What do you see there? Until it receives the early and latter rain. Okay, so he's introducing us to a farmer who's waiting for harvest, right? Waiting for precious fruit. And if you've ever grown up or lived in an area where there is fruit all the time, I mean, I grew up in central California and it seemed like I could go to any corner and find, you know, a little fruit stand or whatever. Summer fruit, you stone fruit, you've got your paradise, or not paradise, palisade peaches here in Colorado. But before the farmer knows the fruit is going to come, he's also waiting for something else. Right? He's waiting for fruit, but he says, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. Prior to fruit comes rain. Prior to the harvest comes a, an early rain and a latter rain. And in verse 8, it says, you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And I, how many of you are waiting for the coming of the Lord? Yeah. Amen. I'm waiting for that harvest. You know, Revelation paints it as a harvest when Jesus comes again. Actually, Jesus introduces that that metaphor in his parable in Matthew chapter 13. But as we're waiting for the coming of the Lord, hand in hand with waiting for the Lord is also waiting for rain. Okay, hear me out. Hand in hand with waiting for the Lord is waiting for rain. Why? Because rain matures the harvest. So as we're waiting for the coming, we can be asking for rain. That's where we're going to head towards. When a farmer waits for fruit, he also knows he's waiting for that which produces the fruit. So if, if there's no rain, there's no fruit. Spiritually speaking, if there's no rain, there's no life. If there's no rain, there's no second coming rain is is hugely important okay um i don't know uh, a few years ago actually like i said um, in the central valley um i remember uh, you know we've got farms out there where we were in modesto Uh, we weren't too far from uh, acreage and things like that and people would have these signs out and these signs it said pray for rain it was a el nino year in a in a bad way (laughs) it was a dry season and this, it has a reference to 1 Thessalonians 5.17, which is a reference to the idea of pray without ceasing. But these farmers were praying desperately for rain. Why? Because if there's no rain, there's no fruit. And if there's no fruit, there's no life. Okay. So in James' metaphor, he's taking this further. If there's no rain, there's no coming of the Lord. There's no eternal life. So we're talking about asking for rain today and what that means in terms of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the coming comforter. Go with me now to the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 11. I told you we're going to go kind of left, right, here, there, everywhere. Deuteronomy chapter 11. God sees a lot of importance with this idea of rain that is promised to us. Deuteronomy chapter 11 is one of those instances where God is promising this to the children of Israel. By the time we come to Deuteronomy, Moses has already, uh, he's, he's kind of gotten the children of Israel to the verge of the promised land. And as the people are preparing to take possession of the promised land, Moses wants to remind them of some things, and he's giving them instruction in Deuteronomy chapter 11, specifically about what to expect in terms of rain, okay? When you're there, say, I'm there. This is Deuteronomy chapter 11, Okay? Deuteronomy chapter 11. It's the fifth book of the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Let's notice God is going to promise rain. I'm going to start in verse 10. The Bible says this, For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of where? Of Egypt. Okay, are you there? Okay, Uh, here we go. The land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt, which is where they were coming from. It's where they were set free. It's not like the land of Egypt from which you have come where you sowed seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden Well that's interesting what was he talking about so in Egypt because the Nile River flowed through they would dig trenches like irrigation trenches by foot that's what that's what Moses is talking about there it's not like the land of Egypt where you would get water from the Nile River it's not like the, uh, the Central Valley of California where you get water from the California aqueduct, okay? No, what, what's he t- saying here? Verse 11, But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys which drinks water from where? The rain of heaven. A land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it. From the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today to love the Lord your God and serve with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season. Start paying attention here. Verse 14. Then I will give you the rain for your land in its season. The what kind of rain? Oh, man, come on, come on. Are you reading with me? The... <laughs> okay, here we go. Verse 14. The early rain and the latter rain. I'm, I'm telling you. Uh, okay, so here, here's a little disclaimer. You've got your masks on, I know. Okay, so <laughs> doesn't mean that you have to be silent with this um, because the more silent you are, the louder I'm going like, to feel I have to get. Anyway, so don't, you don't want that, especially for those of you on Zoom. Okay, <clears throat> here we go. Verse 14. Then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the what else? And the latter rain that you may gather in your grain, your new wine and your oil. Okay. As we look at this promise, so God is saying, hey, you're not in the land of Egypt anymore. You're going to be in the promised land. The land of Egypt was fed by the Nile. That's by the way, that's why um, you know, the Egyptians made such a big deal of the Nile River. Like it was a deity. There were several deities kind of revolving around the Nile River. And so uh, God is saying, no, 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 no. This land where you're going, it's not going to be fed by a river. It's going to be fed by the rain from heaven in its early season and its latter season. Early rain, latter rain. So let's just kind of break down this promise here. Um, The promise for physical rain has three key elements that I want us to notice. One, absolute necessity. Okay, Without the rain, you've got nothing. Okay, it's absolutely essential for life itself. In fact, if you go down to verse 17, what happens when there is no rain? Actually, I'll start in verse 16. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you. This is verse 17. And he shut up the heavens so that there be no rain, and the land yield no produce, and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. So you see the absolute necessity of rain. If there's no rain, there's no yield, there's no harvest. If there's no harvest, there's no life, okay? The other element to this promise is there's a contingency involved. Did you notice that? Yeah, the rain is absolutely necessary, but uh, there's a contingency. It, it, that is, it's one, it's, it's coming from God, not the Nile River, okay? And two, it's actually conditional upon our faithfulness and, and loyalty. Right? God is saying, hey, lest you turn away, and then I end up shutting up the heavens. Can you think of a time when God's people actually turned away in unfaithfulness and the rain, the rain stopped, the heavens were shut up? Yeah. You remember the story of Elijah, right? This is what it was all about. In the story of Elijah, King Ahab and Jezebel, his wife, had led the people into deep apostasy, uh, worshiping the idol Baal, who is supposedly the god of thunder and rain. Supposedly. Right? And so on Mount Carmel, that whole showdown, the Lord, he is God. Well, that was all about who is the one who provides us life. And you'll remember that thereafter, that's when rain came, after three and a half years of no rain. All right. So we've got a necessity, we've got contingency, that rain ultimately depends upon God as the giver and also is conditional upon our loyalty to him as God. Okay, the other... Uh, aspect of this promise of rain besides necessity besides contingency is this that there are two seasons of it all right two seasons god promised in verse 14 that there is an early rain and latter rain in its season okay and if you understand uh, kind of the the way that the agriculture kind of depends on rain out there there was a dry season there was a wet season but that wet season was book-ended by the initial rains and then the consummating rains, so to speak. And that's what God is referring to, the early rains that actually break up that hard, crusted ground and allows for seed to even be put in it in the first place. That's the early rain. That initiates the planting season it allows for it softens the soil and germinates the seed and all this all the while during that rainy season it started off by the early rain but during the rainy season you know the 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 harvest would continue to mature but there was a final push so to speak of ladder rains that would finally ripen the harvest so that it'd be ready to pick okay And so the rain would come in two seasons, both initiation and maturation, you can say. Initiation and consummation of the harvest. All right, so this is the promise for physical rain. Deuteronomy chapter 11, what in the world does this have to do with the Holy Spirit? Okay, go with me to Isaiah now. Isaiah, because I believe this promise for physical rain is really a promise, or it's a a reflection of God's promise for spiritual rain. Isaiah chapter 44. We've gone to this verse several times throughout this series. Isaiah chapter 44, beginning in verse 3. <clears throat> I want us to see this. This is now depicting a spiritual reality, but it's using this, this idea of water and rain that, that the Israelites were so familiar with. Isaiah 44, verse 3. When you're there, say amen. God promising this. Maybe this uh, you know rings a bell because we've, we've gone to this almost every time of this series. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground, okay? So it's almost like God is talking like the farmer that's ready to to just plow up the soil, okay? But he's not talking about water. He's not talking about farming. The rest of verse 3, I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about God's God is promising a time where we will be so broken, so dry. There's no life in us, but he's going to pour life into us through his Holy Spirit. All right. Now, notice, turn a couple of chapters over to chapter 45, chapter 45 and verse eight. This water floods metaphor. It's the work of the Holy Spirit activating life processes. But 45 verse eight gets even more specific. Notice this plea, this prayer in Isaiah 45, verse 8. The Bible says, Rain down, you heavens, from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open. Let them bring forth salvation, and let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Okay. So here in this prayer, we're praying for what to come down? In verse 8, 45 verse 8. It says, rain down, right? Rain down, you heavens, from above. Let the skies pour down, what else? Righteousness. Righteousness. Okay, okay, okay. So start connecting the dots here, okay? So if the Holy Spirit, or sorry, if water and rain is a metaphor, spiritual metaphor for the Holy Spirit... When we're praying for rain, we're also praying for righteousness. There's a connection. I want us to see this additional element to the metaphor that there's there's a connection between rain and righteousness. Rain and righteousness. The specific aspect of the Holy Spirit's role in our lives is to actually rain down righteousness. It's to cause righteousness to grow where there was no righteousness before. You realize that's not something you and I can make spring up in our hearts, right? Righteousness is not the work of of just trying really hard, you know, trying really hard to, to you know, reform our characters. No, this is the work of the Holy Spirit, heavenly rain. Okay, go with me to Joel now, Joel chapter 2. We're going to kind of piece some things together. When we're praying for water, we're also praying for the Holy Spirit, okay? In Joel chapter 2, we're going to take this rain and righteousness connection to another level. Mm Now, this one's kind of harder to find. If you get to Ezekiel, then you'll go Daniel, Hosea, Joel, right? (laughs) I think Joel is right after Hosea. When you're there, say, whew. All right, Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2, and I'm going to start in verse 23. Okay, this is really interesting. Joel chapter 2 and verse 23. Watch how God is kind of piecing these things together for, for his people, by the way, his people who are kind of on the, on the edge of now coming out of Babylon. The, the captivity of things is ending. Joel chapter 2, verse 23 says, Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. Okay, well, what can we be glad about, right? What can we rejoice in? For he has given you, and this is how the New King James reads. I don't know if you've got a different version here. For he has given you the former reign faithfully. In other words, the early reign faithfully. Question. Does anybody else's Bible say it differently? Okay. No, no, no. Did I put a different version up here? Let's see here. No, I didn't. Too bad. Sorry, guys. <laughs> the former reign faithfully. No, so in my... In my uh, my footnotes. Does anybody have a footnote for that phrase? I have a different version. Yeah. Do you have a different version? We have poured out for you abundant rain. The early and the latter rain as before. Okay. The early and the latter rain. So previously it says abundant rain. Okay. Yeah. 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 Do you have a footnote? Anybody's? This is really interesting. So Hebrew has, the Hebrew here is really, really interesting here. My footnote says this. For verse 23, that phrase, the former rain faithfully. Sorry, we haven't finished the rest of verse 23 yet. But halfway through where it says, for he has given you the former rain faithfully. My footnote says, or the teacher of righteousness. Does anybody else's Bible say that? Yeah. This is really interesting. So the word here for rain that's translated as rain is actually different then the word that's translated as rain halfway down, or sorry, at the end of the verse where it says, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The, the word for former rain halfway through is actually very different. Don't, don't, I'm sorry if I lose you here, but this is a little Hebrew lesson. Uh, the, the Hebrew root word here, it's actually um, Yara. Can you say that out loud? yara okay yara and that is sometimes translated as teacher the word picture hebrew uses uh, word pictures to kind of communicate ideas the word picture is that of an archer like shooting arrows, shooting darts. I'm not exactly sure how a teacher can be connected to an archer, except maybe you're like shooting ideas into other people's minds or whatever. But here, the idea of the Holy Spirit being rain, and you can kind of picture that. Okay, so there's a connection between rain darting to the earth, so to speak. But... The phrase can actually be translated as teacher of righteousness. When we're talking about the Holy Spirit, he surely is, in fact, the teacher of righteousness. He wants to shoot things or pierce things into our hearts. He wants to penetrate our hearts with righteousness. Notice how Jesus even reflects on the Holy Spirit as a teacher in John 14, verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will do what? He will teach you all things. And then again in John 16, let's see if we've got it here. John 16, verse 8. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. This is the Holy Spirit's role. He is the teacher of righteousness. I would say the essential role of the Holy Spirit when we allow him to come into our lives is to point us to Jesus, right? It's to point us to Jesus. It's to point us to Christ, not our own righteousness, but his righteousness. To point us to the one who, be, who knew no sin, but became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. The Holy Spirit is the one who knows how to teach. He's the one who knows how to shoot and penetrate to our hearts, through our hearts, for the sake of righteousness. And rain is necessary for physical life. But He, the Holy Spirit, is absolutely necessary for spiritual life and righteousness. Without Him, we've got nothing. And could it be then, you know, like, let, let's, let's take a look here. Let's take a look. So we've got the promise of spiritual rain. Earlier we made this list. Necessity, contingency, two seasons. We looked at that from Deuteronomy chapter 11. That's the, the promise of physical rain. But could the same three things be applied to the promise of spiritual rain? Is the promise of the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit absolutely necessary for life? Yes, right? We see that necessity. Is the Holy Spirit contingent upon things? Well, what? yeah, the Holy Spirit is contingent upon Jesus actually giving him to us, right? It's contingent upon, as we studied a few weeks ago, upon his crucifixion and resurrection and eventual glorification. It's also contingent upon, as we were studying last few weeks, certain conditions of the heart, right? Faith. Repentance, obedience, thirst, asking. All sorts of things that it's contingent upon. Now, if, it's, if we see the, the promise having a necessity and a contingency, could it be that the promise of the Holy Spirit also comes in two seasons? That there is an early rain promise of the Spirit and a latter rain promise of the Spirit? Yeah, I would say so. Absolutely. Well, what do we mean by that? What does that look like? The Holy Spirit's rain here will say it like this. If the early rain initiated or it kind of broke up the ground so that seeds could be planted, then the early rain ministry of the Spirit starts new life in an unbeliever, converting them to a believer. Okay. Then also the, the Holy Spirit wants to continue to pour out rain throughout the rainy season, so to speak, in our lives continue to soften up our our hearts and and mature our our hearts in, in righteousness so that eventually we can be fully ripened and prepared for the harvest. We're the fruit that the heavenly farmer is waiting for. That's the precious fruit that Jesus is waiting for. So the early rain ministry initiates new life in us. The early rain ministry of the Holy Spirit initiates and gets that seed started. And the latter rain ministry of the Spirit, he's the one who ripens that new life to be fully prepared for the second coming. That's exciting. That's exciting to me. If we were to apply this um, on, on a personal level, Oh man, let's, let's get here. Let's go here. here, Because I don't know, maybe some of you are looking at Joel 2, 23 and saying, well, this, maybe it's talking about rain. Is it talking really about the Holy Spirit? You can kind of connect it to Joel chapter two, verse 28, where he's talking about the Holy Spirit being poured out upon all flesh and stuff. But let's look at Hosea chapter six, verse three. This directly connects the, the Lord himself to the rain it says, let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He, God, and I would say specifically the Holy Spirit, he will come to us like the rain. Like the what kind of rain? Like the latter and former rain to the earth. So when God is talking about latter rain, early rain, he's not only talking about the physical rain that comes from heaven. He's talking about him coming to us in that kind of fashion coming to us in an early way that that starts new life and in a latter way that ripens that life, okay? So what does this mean? The application of it on a personal level. Let's see, two levels of application. Let me say this. uh, Let's talk about the personal level. The Holy Spirit, He works to initiate conversion in our lives. That's the early reign. Have you allowed the early reign of the Holy Spirit to be worked out in your life? Have you asked him, please send me conversion, break up my hard heart, Lord, and plant new life in me? The focal point of this early reign ministry is the righteousness of Christ on the cross. When we truly behold him as the Lamb of God who purchased righteousness for us, that's when we know the Holy Spirit is working. Now, the latter reign of the Holy Spirit, that's his work to not just start life in us, but ripen that life in us, ripen the character. This is Jesus' work, not just as the Lamb of God, but it's, it's uh, the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus as the High Priest who ministers on behalf of us and imparts His righteousness to us. Now, this doesn't mean that, that at some point in my life, I'll, I'll experience the work of the Holy Spirit. And then many, many, many years later, I won't, I won't have any interaction with the Holy Spirit until eventually the latter rain falls in my life. No, no, that's not what we're saying here. Remember, the, the early rain and the latter rain, it bookended the wet season. So there's showers all the way through. Okay? Doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is not at work in the meantime. Literally, uh, what we're talking about is a special measure of the Holy Spirit. And that's the application on the personal level. But let me talk about this application on the historical level. There is a historical period that would be considered the early rain time. And I believe there's a historical or even prophetic period that would be considered the latter rain time. Let's talk about the early rain. Historically speaking, speaking, let's see here. Historically speaking, can you think of a time when the righteousness of Christ was revealed to initiate a spiritual harvest in people's lives? When the Holy Spirit was poured out in a way that kind of kick-started spiritual life historically. Pentecost, Yeah, Yeah, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Not to say that the rain wasn't falling, but as we studied that that first, I think it was a few weeks ago, uh, when we studied that, the Holy Spirit was kind of working here and there upon certain individuals, but as a result of Pentecost, as a result of Jesus being crucified, resurrected, and glorified, seated on the throne, the Holy Spirit was poured out in special measure. That was the initiation of a spiritual harvest. Right, it pointed to Jesus as the Lamb of God, revealed the righteousness of God that was revealed in the life and death and resurrection of Christ, and it it did result in a harvest. Three thousand were added to the church in one day. Whew. Awesome stuff. Now, if there was an early rain time historically, when when would be the latter rain time? <laughs> When would be the time when the righteousness of Christ would be revealed to actually not just start a harvest, but fully ripen the harvest in preparation for the coming of the Lord? When would that be? I would say just as the early rain was manifest through the preaching of the gospel, the latter rain would be manifest through the preaching of the gospel. Go with me to Revelation chapter 14. This is awesome. Revelation chapter 14. I'm hoping and praying I can connect the dots in five minutes here. <laughs> Revelation chapter 14, last book of the Bible. Revelation 14, when you're there, say amen. All right. Revelation 14, verse 6. Man, my thoughts are running a million miles an hour here. I I hope I can, man. Lord help. (laughs) Revelation 14, verse 6. The Bible says this. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having what? The everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Okay, okay, okay. So on the day of Pentecost, which we already said was the early rain, the initiation of a spiritual harvest. The gospel was preached. Jesus was seen as the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. Here at the end of time, Revelation chapter 14 is is predicting a time at the end where the everlasting gospel would be preached. And starting in verse seven and onward, there's an articulation of what that everlasting gospel sounds like. It's what Seventh-day Adventists know as the three angels' messages. Angel number one says, Fear God! give him glory for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in or the springs of water i think is is how it is and springs of water the second angel comes and says babylon is fallen is fallen the third angel says hey don't worship the beast or his image if anyone continues to do that they'll receive the mark of the beast Okay, these are things that are end-time issues, end-time messages. And notice what's very interesting. As a result of this, in verse 12, kind of shows us the consummation of this. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. In other words, as a result of the proclamation of the three angels' messages, there are people who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. In other words, it's a righteousness that is by faith. Not in their own pulling up their bootstraps, but as a result of their faith in Jesus. And then notice, in verse 14, the very next picture that John envisions. Right, He hears the everlasting gospel being preached. And then, verse 14, Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And on the cloud, one like the Son of Man. What event do you think he's looking at? This is the return of Jesus. Okay. But notice how he describes the son of man having on his head, a golden crown and in his hand, a sharp sickle. What's a sickle? <laughs> What's a sickle? It's not a popsicle. <laughs> <laughs> He's not the heavenly ice truck or ice cream man coming around. <laughs> All right. Th- this is a farming instrument. Jesus is coming as a farmer, according to this vision, with a sickle ready to harvest. Ready to harvest. Meaning this, when John sees Jesus coming, he's coming because the harvest is ready. What per se, according to chapter 14, readied the harvest? The preaching of the everlasting gospel through the three angels' messages. Okay, this is really interesting. John envisions a time when the harvest is ripe. What precedes all this is the three angels' messages, the proclamation of this everlasting gospel, which are essentially a catalyst to ripen righteousness in us. It produces that that faith of God. It produces the keeping of the commandments of God. And I would also say this, it ripens people's hearts against the righteousness of God in us. Because it readies the harvest that, that is for reaping, and then it readies, if you keep reading in verses 17 and onward, it readies a different kind of harvest, a harvest of destruction. Now, is it possible that what we see here, the proclamation of the three angels' messages in Revelation 14, this, this declaration of the everlasting gospel, actually points to the historical time frame for the latter reign Right? Remember, because the latter rain is supposed to be that thing, (laughs) that experience that ripens the harvest for Jesus' second coming. Right? What we started in James chapter five. The farmer waits for the precious fruit. He waits for the early rain and the latter rain. Could it be that the proclamation of the three angels' messages actually ripens the harvest? or sorry, the the three angels' messages that ripen the harvest is pointing to the historical time frame of the latter rain. And if it is, then brothers and sisters, that time is now. (laughs) The three angels' messages have been proclaimed ever since, it could be said of verse 7, for the hour of his judgment has come ever since 1844. Ever since, it's true that Jesus went from the holy place to the most holy place. Now, I know I am kind of infusing a whole bunch of thoughts and ideas into this that maybe we haven't studied yet before. But true enough, we are living in the judgment hour. We are living in the time of the preaching of the three angels' messages. And if that's true, we are actually living historically in the time of the latter rain. That's awesome. And that's exciting. That God's end-time church, remember the latter rain is meant to empower God's end-time church to proclaim the everlasting gospel, not just in words, but also through the lives that reveal His righteousness. Just like the Holy Spirit is supposed to rain down righteousness, if this is the time of the latter rain, He is wanting to rain down righteousness in your life and in mine, so that the character of God can be seen, not just in word heard, but in life and deed. And the righteousness of God is both proclaimed by God's people and revealed through God's people. That's why in Revelation chapter 18, which is kind of a rehearsal or an augmentation of the three angels' messages, the angel that comes lights up the earth with the glory of God. Well, what's God's glory? It's his character. It's his character. All right, so historically speaking, now is the time of the latter rain. If the time of the latter rain historically is now, question is the experience on a personal level are we experiencing on a personal level the outpouring of the latter rain we know that the historical time is now but is the personal time now in zechariah chapter 10 verse 1 oh i wish i had this on the screen i don't think i do can you find that really quick it's right before matthew a few books before matthew zechariah chapter 10 verse 1 this is awesome. Okay. Zechariah 10, verse 1. And then we're going to land the plane, hopefully. <laughs> Here we go. Zechariah 10, verse 1. Wow. When you're there, say amen. All righty. Again, reading from the New King James, the Bible says this. Ask the Lord for rain. In the time of the latter rain. I'm just going to stop right there. <laughs> Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. I want us to realize something. That just because historically speaking, it's the time for the latter rain of the Holy Spirit, doesn't necessarily mean that personally speaking, we will by default experience the latter rain of the Holy Spirit. What Zechariah is telling us is that in the time of the latter rain, what should we be doing? We should be asking for the rain. In the time of the latter rain, ask for the latter rain. Just because it's the time of the latter rain doesn't mean we must presume we'll receive it. We must not presume to receive the latter rain. We must pray to receive the latter rain. And so just a recap here, just a recap. The necessity of the Holy Spirit, we see it. He is necessary for life If we don't have him we have no life contingency man if it's all in god's hands you know the rain doesn't come by me dancing around no the rain doesn't come by me doing certain things the rain is god's gift to give how then do i actually receive the latter rain how do i receive the latter rain on the level of personal experience and there's several ways that i could answer this i'm just gonna stick with two i have three on my notes but i'm just gonna stick with two okay first of all if i want to receive the latter rain i've got to first receive the early rain because if i haven't received the latter rain sorry if i haven't received the early rain the latter rain might fall but it does no good why because the seed hasn't had time to germinate the seed hasn't had time to mature so if i want to receive the latter rain in the time of the latter rain i i need to be faithful to just say God, break up my fallow ground. Take me to the cross. Lead me to Calvary. Remember, Calvary precedes Pentecost. Lead me to Calvary. We are in constant need of the Holy Spirit. Believe me. I think someone once said, we are leaky vessels. You know, jars, fill up a a wicker basket and that wicker basket will just kind (laughs) of... We are leaky vessels. And I would say this, we are in constant need in so much that the, the work of the Holy Spirit is only as real as it is recurring. The work of the Holy Spirit is only as real as it is recurring. So let him go ahead and just say, hey, if your desire is to receive the latter rain and the time of the latter rain, come to the cross and say, I need the early rain today. I mean, you can apply this not just to your own heart. You can apply this to your home. Man, I, I want the my, my household to be built up for God's kingdom. Well, ha, has the early reign of the Holy Spirit fallen upon your home? Let him break up the hard hearts. Let him plant seeds of salvation now so he can actually bring those things into maturation. Let him break up the hardened heart so he can sow righteousness there. And the other thing I would say, not just... Okay, if, what can I do to receive the latter rain? First, receive the early rain, yeah? And here's the second thing, we've already read it in Zechariah chapter 10. Ask for it. <laughs> Ask for the latter rain. Don't just be presume, or don't be, da, da, da. don't presume to be filled someday. Pray to be filled today. I want to close with one story, and it's not like a story of modern day. I want you to think about this, the time of Elijah. We started in the book of James, and in James chapter 5, verse 18, do I have that here? No, I don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> In James chapter five, verse eighteen, you know, James actually refers to the story of Elijah, someone who was like us, but he prayed. He prayed for rain. Do you remember that? Yeah, I mean we we talked about how on Mount Carmel he prayed for fire to come down, right? He prayed for fire and that was instantaneous, right? The the the, the altar was burnt up, the sacrifice was burnt up, the rocks were burnt up, the water that was poured on the sacrifice, all that was licked up, right? That's in uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, I think it is. But then towards the end there, um, after that, I mean, there's the execution of the prophets of Baal. That's kind of a, a gory story. But right after that, Elijah actually says to Ahab, Hey, Ahab, you better get in your chariot and get on down to the palace because the rain is a coming. Now question, at that point, when Elijah said that to King Ahab, was there any rain? Yes or No. No. Now, he's saying this by faith. You know what Elijah does next? He goes and finds a vantage point on top of Mount Carmel. He gets down on his knees, and the Bible says he puts his face between his knees. He is down low. You know what he's doing? He's praying for rain. He prayed for fire instant. Pfft. He's praying for rain, and then he sends a servant. He says, hey, go check to see if there are any clouds. Servant goes, and there's nothing there. <laughs> elijah gets down on his knees again he's praying go check again nothing there he gets down prays go check again nothing that you know this story he does this seven times remember just a few moments ago he prayed for rain instant now he's praying i'm sorry he prayed for fire and it was instant he's now praying for rain and it takes persistence what in the world there's something change in elijah's heart and mind i don't know what's going on here But here's what we know, that when it comes to praying for rain, it may not come in a day, but it comes day by day as we pray. I want us to realize something, that praying for rain actually changes us in the process. Uh, There was something I found in a little book called Our High Calling. This is a devotional book that was given to me. I think at my eighth grade graduation. And uh, I didn't pick it up until much later after college. But here it is in, on page 133, talking about Elijah's experiences is this. But the prophet did not give up in discouragement, right? So after the servant says, hey, there's nothing in the horizon. Uh, I don't know, there's, there's nothing there. He kept reviewing his life to see where he had failed to honor God. And as he searched his heart, he seemed to be less and less. Has that ever happened to you? Like you're praying and you're realizing, man, the problem is not in the rain giver. (laughs) The problem is in me. He didn't see a change in the horizon right away, but he started to see a change in his heart. Watch what happens here. It seemed to him that he was nothing, that God was everything. And when he reached the point of renouncing self, while he clung to the Savior as his only strength and righteousness. I love that because of the Holy Spirit as a teacher of righteousness. While he clung to the Savior as his only strength and righteousness, the answer came. And the servant came back and said, Hey, I see a cloud. It's as small as a man's hand. Will that do? And Elijah says, That's it. Let's go. And he starts running. He starts running. And he outruns Ahab's chariot all the way to Jezreel. We were reading earlier today in one of the kids' books. That was a 28-mile journey. This guy. This guy. What was going on? When he prayed for rain, it took persistence. His prayers didn't change the horizon right away, but it changed his heart right away. The very experience of asking for rain in the time of the latter rain will change your life. (laughs) We're going to stop right there. There's another one. Maybe we'll save that for another time. (laughs) But today, here's simply this appeal. Uh, not, Not an appeal, but a question. Do you want the rain to fall? Do you want the rain to fall? Amen. Do you want the Holy Spirit to rain down righteousness, to cause righteousness to spring forth, and to actually fully prepare you for the coming of the Lord? Yeah, if that's your desire, say, amen, amen, amen. And again, we're going to have a closing prayer here. And if, if you're desirous of just sticking around for some extra prayer, um, we would invite you to do that. Let's bow our heads together right now. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to study. Lord, these things are kind of, honestly, they're kind of technical. Um, but it's stuff that, that you have revealed to us for a reason. And here we are living in this time when the latter rain is upon us. Lord, we don't want to be caught where other people are experiencing the falling of the latter rain and we're clueless about it. Lord, we want today for you to rain down righteousness. God, we pray for an early rain experience in our hearts and also in our homes. Lord, we pray this for our church, church family as a whole. Please give us conversion. Spring new life in us where there was no life before. In our relationships, Lord, do the same. Not just our relationship with you, but also relationships that need wholeness. We pray for kids. We pray for parents. We pray for uh, uh, homes to be made whole. Lord, we ask, God, that you would spring forth righteousness. We also ask in our characters that you would spring forth righteousness, Lord. We know this is by the power of your Holy Spirit alone. And so please, right now we're asking. We're asking for rain in the time of the latter rain because we pray. In Jesus' saving name, let the family say, Amen.